0: Welcome to the Soda Baptist Church podcast. This message is part of the teaching ministry of Soda Baptist Church in Livingston, Texas. We hope that you are encouraged and challenged to grow closer in your walk with Christ through this message. We invite you to check out our website at www.sodabaptist.org for more information about our church. Take your Bibles this morning, if you would, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. And when I say take your Bibles, I knew we live in a new world today. So I might say take your iPads, or take your phones, or take your tablets. And I realize that that's the world that we live in today. And uh, I do ask that if you've got a phone, or whatever iPad, or whatever you're using, whatever you do... Don't get distracted. I, I know that that happens so often, and uh, and I know there was a day in our society when if you saw a kid with an iPhone or a phone and they were looking at it in church, man, you you popped them on the back of the head and said, "Put that up." But so many today. That's what. That's where they. That's where their Bible is. Is on their phones. And and uh, I know I know Susie uses an iPad and. And I want you to know she's able to take notes and she, she's able to highlight scriptures and look up references. And, and uh, so I'm not saying that just these old leatherback Bibles are the only way. I'm just saying that we recognize that there is other ways to read God's Word. Second <clears throat> Timothy chapter 4, first five verses is what we're going to look at. I want to let you know where I came up with a message that I'm, I'm preaching this morning. I had two different messages that I was working on for this morning, this week. I wanted to start off early on Thanksgiving, and and I've got a message on Thanksgiving I wanted to share this morning, and it just wasn't, it just it, well, the Lord didn't give me peace to do that. I'm preaching a message this afternoon at 3 o'clock. Chris Knox is going to be ordained as a, a minister of the gospel, a preacher. A pastor, he's going to be ordained by a group of men this afternoon. And uh, so as I was looking and I was studying for that sermon, some scriptures just jumped off the page at me that addresses us today. And I felt like it was very urgent for me to speak on the subject in which I'm speaking of this morning. The title of my message, if you're, you're writing down titles, is A Herald of the Gospel. Some of you said, no, I don't even know what he said. A herald of the gospel. Let me give you the definition of what a herald is. A herald is a person who proclaims or announces sufficient or significant news. Many of you, just, you just, if you think about it, well, have you ever heard of a newspaper called the Herald or the Daily Herald? Well, the reason they call it a herald is because they are announcing or they're proclaiming some significant news. It's also referred to as a messenger to proclaim or to be a forerunner. That's what a herald is. So when I mention that, that the message is a herald of the gospel, this is someone who goes out and proclaims a significant important message and that message is the Word of God. So that's what we're going to look at this morning. As I was studying to preach this service, I came across some scriptures, and I was telling you that how important they are, especially in the day that we live in, because the reason is the Apostle Paul warns us in the scripture. We're going to see it in a minute. He is warning us of the day that we live in right now. This is over 200 or 2,000 years ago. He writes this message, and he says, Listen, guys. The day is coming when what will be taking place that I'm writing about will be taking place, and it's happening right now. That's why when I came across these scriptures, I went, Oh my goodness, I can't wait. I can't put this off another week. This is important stuff. We need to pay attention to it. And I want us to realize when Paul is writing this message here in 2 Timothy, how important... Or the timeline that we see in this message, Paul is right now in a dungeon in Rome and his life is about to be taken. This is the last words of Paul in a letter. As a matter of fact, shortly after this, within about a couple of months, Paul is crucified on a cross upside down because he refused to quit proclaiming Jesus Christ. Because he was a Christian, he was crucified. And that is why he was put to death. So, think about this. Right before he dies, he said, Listen, I've got to get this word out. I mean, if you had some last words that you wanted to say to somebody, these were his last words. So that's how significant this scripture is. We're going to read five verses here. And of these five verses, I want us to pay attention to two of these verses, and I'm going to elaborate on these two verses for a few minutes. And... uh and then we'll have the message. Let's begin by looking at 2 Timothy chapter 4, and let's read these first five verses. This is what Paul says to Timothy. He says, I charge thee therefore before God, and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at the appearing and His kingdom. Then he says, Preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things. Endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, and make full proof of thy ministry. Now, these two verses that I want to draw our attention to. Verse number 2. He simply starts off and he says, Timothy, preach the Word. Preach the Word. I mentioned just a second ago, the, the herald and what a herald would do. To preach the word means to stand as a herald. And Now listen, in the days that there was not newspaper and Facebook and text messages and all these other things, when there was not even telephone or cell phones or even landlines, a king that ruled a kingdom, if he had a message to send out to the people, if he decided that he wanted to create new taxes and he was going to start these taxes next week, he would send out heralds. He would send out these messengers. He may have a hundred messengers. And what he would do, he would send these messengers or these heralds to the street corners. If he had ten cities, he would send men to all of these cities and he would instruct them. He says, you go stand on the street corner and you herald, you proclaim this message. You go to the city gates and you proclaim this message. You go to the marketplace and you proclaim this important message that I have for my subjects, the ones who are under me. My kingdom needs to hear this important message. And he says, once you herald this, my people are going to be responsible for what they hear. So this is what Paul is telling Timothy. He is saying, Timothy... Preach the Word. Preach this right here. You need to go and you need to proclaim it from every street corner, every marketplace, every family member, everyone that has ears, let him hear what the Word of God has to say to them. Paul is making this a very dramatic speech right here in writing this. He says, I need you to know, Timothy... We don't have time anymore. We need to declare God's Word. We need to preach the Word. One of the things that I find that was very, very important, when the king sent a herald to proclaim the message, a messenger was not allowed to give his own opinion. If the king said, we're going to subject you to a 10% tax... The, the messenger was not allowed to say, Well, okay. The king said he was going to increase your taxes, I don't know, 6-7%. No, 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 no. A messenger didn't live long if he'd done that. He was not allowed to put in his opinion. He was not allowed to add to the message. He was not allowed to take away from the message. The herald had to say exactly what the king had instructed him to say. That's what a herald was to do. Listen. The Bible does not give us room to compromise, to add to or take away from this Word. He doesn't allow us to do that. I want you to know as a preacher of the gospel, I don't have the liberty to interpret the Scripture as I would. The Bible tells us to interpret Scripture by taking Scripture to, to imply that. You stack Scripture on top of Scripture on top of Scripture. I want you to know... I had, a, I had a man come to me one day, and this was when I was at the fire department, and, and he was a preacher, and he said, Brother, he, well, I wasn't a brother to him back then, but uh, he said, Wayne, he says, Do you believe the Bible says that money answereth all things? I knew the Bible pretty well. And I sat there, and I thought about how in the world could the Bible ever say that. And I began to think, and I began to think, and I began to think, and I said, No, I don't believe that the Bible does say that. And then he opened up the scripture, and I can't even remember where it was at. But he says, The world says that money answereth all things. Well, you know what? The Bible said that. But it did not imply that that was the truth. He is saying that the world says that. So, you know what? what do you, you see what I'm saying? We can't add to, we can't take away from this. And the Bible, when it says here, it did not tell Timothy to preach a word. He says, you preach the Word. We need to preach the whole context of the Word of God. Not just the parts that we want to listen to. Not just the parts that tickle our ears. Not the parts that just sound good. And, And listen, I haven't got to that next verse yet, but the Bible tells us that the day is coming, and I believe it is here today, that we have people in the church that only want to hear the part that they want to hear. And when we get to a part that they don't like, do you know what they do? They leave the church that's preaching the word, and they find a church that preaches a word, and they settle in right there. That's dangerous. I'm telling you, that's dangerous. We're not to just preach the parts that says that Jesus loves you, but also the parts that say those who were not found written, their name written in the Lamb's book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Not just the part that says that God protects and provides, but also that part that says they were cast into outer darkness where there was weeping and gnashing of teeth. So when we read that Timothy was commanded to preach the Word, he was told to be ready at all times. Let me tell you what he goes on to say this. This is what he says. In that Scripture it says, "...preach the Word, be instant in season and out of season." And then he uses these words right here that sometimes we don't like. These are the the words. He said the word right here, we can use it for reprove, to reprove. Now what does that word mean, to reprove? To reprove means to test something. To reprove means to prove it or to make sure that it is right. If we use God's word to reprove, or to test a situation, you know what? Sometimes we're going to find that the Word of God goes against some of our lifestyles. We don't, maybe, not like that part. But he says, listen, preach the Word, not a word. Preach the Word. So you use God's Word to reprove. That next works even a little bit harsher. It says, not only are you to reprove, but you are to rebuke. Do you know what? There was a day, there was a day in the United States of America where a pastor would find a family or a situation or an individual and he could take his Bible and he could go to their house and he could say, listen, your lifestyle is not lining up with what we proclaim at our church. We at this church, this this is what we accept as... Uh, sin and not sin. And you're living a lifestyle against what the Word of God says. And you know what? There was a time when people appreciated you coming to them in a loving way and said, listen, is there anything I can do to help you with your alcoholism? Is there anything I can do to help you with your sexual lifestyle that's not according to the Word of God? Is there anything I can do to, to help you with your, your drug addiction? Listen, completely and totally out of love, not in judgment. And people appreciated that. Now, if a pastor stands and goes to anyone and, and says, Look, this goes against the lifestyle that you're living, is there anything I can do to help you with the lifestyle you're living that's going against the Word? They crucify the pastor. Am I right? And see, the, the thing about it is, the pastor is not the judge. The Word is the judge. Because the Bible tells... Paul is telling Timothy right here. He's saying, listen, Timothy, you go out and you preach the Word and use this Word to reprove, to see what's right and wrong. You've heard me say it before. I'm telling you, you can take this Word of God right here and you can take a situation and you can pour it through the Word of God and if it filters out and it comes out the bottom and it's okay, then hey, go for it. But if it doesn't filter out, if the Word of God stands against it, you've reproved it. Get away from that situation. But the Bible says that the Word of God can be used for reproof, for for rebuke, and I like this word, and to exhort. That word means to encourage you, to come alongside you and comfort you. I don't know how many times I've taken the Word of God to the hospital and someone's about to have surgery, and I will sit down there and I'll read Scripture to them to encourage them that you can depend upon the Lord, that you under the shadow of His wings, that you, you, can, you can count on Him, trust Him in a time like this, and pray with Him. I want you to know, that's exhorting, that's encouraging, that's building up. He says, use this Word to do that. And then he also goes a little farther in that, and he says, not only use it for this, but he also says, use this for doctrine. Use this right here for your doctrine. Well, brother, I don't know, really know what doctrine is. Let me tell you what doctrine is. Doctrine is what you say that you believe, and you can take God's Word and you can say, I believe what I believe, because it says right here, This and this and this. You base what you believe on this, not on what you like, Not on what you think. Not on what the people around me like or think. But you base what you do and what you believe on the Word of God. I want you to know we have people visit our church all the time. And we have some come in and they'll visit and if they, a lot of times we get visitor's card and they don't put their phone number on there, so I don't have no way to contact them. But if they give a contact number, I want you to know there's several here this morning that you visited last week, and I called you on the phone and asked how you enjoyed it. Is there any questions you have about the church? But listen, when we look at God's Word, I want you to know this church, as far as I know, we don't veer from this anywhere at all when it comes to what we believe and why we believe it. We base everything on God's Word. We do not base it on what we like or how we feel. The reason we do the music program the way we do it is because we find in God's Word that that's what we're to do. Okay? And, I, and I'm telling you, uh, well, we, some, some people don't like this and some people like that. We, we're going to base what we do on God's Word. The Bible, God's Word, tells us to give testimony. Some of our hymns are testimony. It also tells us to praise. Some of our hymns are not praised, but some of them we do some praise. We do it because we base it on God's Word, not on what people feel. We base it on God's Word. He tells Paul, Paul tells Timothy, he says, Preach the Word. That's what he tells him. The next verse that... oh. Listen to what it says in John chapter 12, verse 48. Jesus is saying this, and I find this... (laughs) To me, it was so outstanding to me that I'd never recognized this verse before. John chapter 12 and verse 48, he says this, He that rejecteth me, Jesus Christ, he that rejecteth me and receiveth not my... Words, right here. Hath one that judgeth him, the word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in that last day. In other words, (laughs) listen, if you choose not to believe this word right here, the day of judgment, God is going to take this word right here and say, listen, didn't I say this right here? I put it in black and white for you to see. I'm judging you out of the very Word of God that I gave you. Yeah, but oh, so-and-so said that one would not right. Uh, listen, God's going to judge you out of what He is giving you. Are we going to be responsible for what's in here? Absolutely, we are. Absolutely. He has given it to us. You have the choice whether to read it and apply it and accept it or not. That's up to you. But He is going to judge you out of... His Word. Now, the second verse I want us to look at in this passage, look at verse number 3. This is the reason that I am preaching this message this morning. He says, Timothy, be warned, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Well, this is my question. Who are they? Who are they? Listen, listen, you're, you're pointing at the right folks? Because Paul is talking to Timothy, and Timothy is a pastor of a church over in Ephesus, and he says, Listen, Paul, or Peter, or, I can't get my tongue straightened out. He says, Timothy, you are going to stand before your congregation, and you're going to preach sound doctrine, and they, the church, the day is coming when the people who call themselves churchgoers are not going to be willing to accept sound doctrine. And listen, I don't, want to, I don't want to get off on a rabbit trail here. I don't want to get off on a rabbit trail. but I want you to know there are some doctrine or there's some churches out there that are accepting so many things in who leads their church the lifestyle that they choose to lead their church, that this scripture right here stands completely and total against. Well, here, let me quit sidestepping the issue. Homosexual pastors are not pastors. Gay pastors are not pastors. A man that's married to a man is not a pastor. That's what the words... Listen. Listen. You pour that idea through here. it will not come out the other side. But the Bible tells us he says he says right here, he says, "Brother Wayne, the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but their, but after their own lust, they will heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. and I want you to know. Some people, there may be someone in here this morning that has come in and said, I can't believe he said that. I'll just find me another church. I'm going to find me a church that will accept my lifestyle. Well, go ahead because the Bible tells us right there that that day's coming. We must, we must be warned. We are being warned this morning. Listen, the day has come, America. We've got to stand up. Christians. We've got to stand up for what God's Word says and no other. We have come to a nation, that a feel-good nation. We have to feel right about it in order for us to accept it in our lives. No, God's Word says, I said it, that settles it. That's what it is. This is what God expects from us. God created us. He put in here, if you will live according to this, I want you to know you're going to have the richest life that you can have on this earth. And some people say, well, no, that you, this cuts all the fun out of life. Oh, no, no, no. This brings joy unspeakable to the full of glory. That's what this does. But we've got to, we've got to know what the Word says. I want, to, I want to look at two other Scriptures. Where it says right here that the day is going to come when they will go after their own lust, they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. I want to look at a parable that Jesus taught Look in Matthew, uh, no, Mark. Look in Mark chapter 4, verse 13, if you want to with me. I think most of us are very familiar with this, this parable. It's the parable of the sower. And Jesus says, listen, this sower goes out. I'm paraphrasing right now, but he, the sower goes out and he's throwing this seed. Some falls on the pathway, some falls in the rocky ground, some falls on the thorny ground, and some falls on good ground. He says, listen, guys, I'm not telling y'all how to farm. He said, the seed that I am talking about is the Word of God. Now listen to what happens to the Word of God that's being sowed. Mark chapter 4 and verse 13, And he said unto them, Know ye not this parable? And how that then will you know all parables? The sower soweth the Word. And these are they that by the wayside where the Word is sown when they have Heard Satan immediately, uh, and taketh away the word that is sown where? In their hearts. Uh, listen, very important right there. I, I, I'm going to go back to that in just a second. Verse 16, And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground. When they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and have no roots where? In themselves, man, somebody comes here and they hear that Jesus died on the cross for their sins, and man, they like it, and they go out of here and they go, man, I like this. I'm going to start. I'm going to start going after church again. I'm. I like what they said. This was planted, but it did not take any root in themselves, and so endured before a time. Afterwards, when affliction or persecution arise, immediately they were offended and they dried up and went away. The third one. The third one was the one that we refer to here in Second Timothy. The third one it says, And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of the other things enter in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. I'm telling you, you're here this morning, and I want you to know you're going to hear the gospel before... You leave this place. And the gospel is that Jesus Christ came and He died on the cross for our sins and that He rose from the grave three days later so that you might have life and have it more abundantly. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. When you understand the gospel and you accept it and ask God to forgive you of your sins, come into your heart and to save you, you have life everlasting. Ooh, I like that. I think I'll do that. And then you walk out of here and then you find out the things that are going on in the world and you turn away from the good news of the gospel and you indulge yourself in the life that is out there waiting on you and you forget all about that. Why? Because it didn't take root in your heart. It's all up here. It didn't take root in your heart. The Bible says says that it didn't take root in themselves talking about Their heart. So when we see this, this goes right along with what Jesus was saying in this parable that many are going to hear the Word, but very few are going to accept it. Notice, there was four seeds. One fell on the path, one rocky ground, one stony... or the thorns, and one fell on good ground. Only one seed out of the four prospered. Or if we want to add it, one seed out of the four prospered. Received Christ. Truly received Christ. That's phenomenal. Let me give one more quick parable before we finish this morning. In Matthew chapter 22 and verse 8. Matthew chapter 22 and verse 8. I think this is quite significant. Maybe you've never heard this parable spoken of in the way that it is spoken. I'm going to paraphrase this, and then I'm going to read a scripture that refers to this. But this is this is what Jesus is talking about. He says, listen, a man came and he prepared a wedding feast. And he's referring to the Jews, but he, he prepared this wedding feast, and he invited all these people to come. And they came up with all the excuses in the world not to come. And the servants came back to the master and said, Master, uh, I've invited them, but they refused to come. Then Jesus tells them, he said, the, the, the man of the house, he says, Okay, then you send out the word. Go to the highways and the byways and compel them to come to this wedding feast. He said, Have anybody come that wants to come? Let them in. And they were all let in. Are you all ready? This is the Jewish custom. As you came to that wedding feast, there was someone standing at the door passing out wedding garments. In other words, when you come into the wedding feast, they say, oh, you're about a 36 long. Here you go, sir, put this robe on. Oh, you're about a 34 long. Here, take this robe and put this robe on. I would be here. Here's a 16 short. Here, put this one on. And that's kind of the way. Okay, but he said, listen, I want you to know, listen to this. These wedding garments are free. These wedding garments are free. Come in, attend the feast. Have a great time. I have prepared everything for you. I have paid for it all. It cost you nothing. Put on the garment. One individual comes in and they offer him this free garment to come in and partake of the wedding feast. Well, I don't feel like putting on the garment. That's not exactly my style. I don't think I'll want to dress that way. I want to be different. Understand, this wedding garment is free as I read these scriptures. And when the king came to see the guest, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. And he saith unto him, Friend, notice how he addressed him, Friend, how comest thou in hither not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, and take him away, and cast him into the outer darkness, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. In Romans 6 and 23, it tells us, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I want everyone in this room to understand the gift of salvation is free to you. Jesus Christ offers you a wedding garment this morning. Put your faith and trust in what He did on the cross for you, Accept it into your life and become a brand new child of God or reject that free wedding garment. And when we stand before an almighty God and He says, where is your wedding garment? Scripture says you will be speechless. I, and listen, I'm not saying that on that day that God is going to remind you of the sermon that you just heard preached. But I do believe one of the things that's going to happen to all of those folks that are being cast into outer darkness, I believe they're going to remember every opportunity they had to accept the free gift of the Lord Jesus Christ, the word that is written right here, that our society today is rejecting and replacing preachers of the Word who will give them sermons that tickle their ears. God forbid that I ever attempt to tickle your ears. My goal as a pastor and a preacher of the Word of God is to give it to you like He says it. Not like I want to say it. My concern, the greatest need in our churches today is for a pastor to stand and feed his flock the Word of God and nothing else. What is my challenge this morning? I'm going to preach a sermon similar to this this afternoon at 3 o'clock and I'm going to be looking at Chris Knox. And I'm going to challenge him to feed his sheep and preach nothing but the Word. I want you to know that is one of the most difficult things to do. I, and I know I've told you this before. i stood in front of this crowd right here and preached a hard message. Challenging you to start serving. Challenging for you to get up and serve And because I felt like it was so stern, I've gone back home and I've cried because I felt like I I had to kind of whip on us a little bit. And there's other times when I feel like our our body right here needs petting on and loving on and encouraged. And I've done that then. I'm telling you, the day is here when Christians are giving in to their own lust. We need to turn back to the Word of God. Let's stand and pray together. Father, Your Word tells us that that Your Word is sharper than any two-edged sword. God, You tell us that Your Word is sufficient. God, for me to add to it or take away from it, To water it down in any way, shape, or form would be for me to say that Your Word is not good enough. God, it is Your Word that has the power to change lives, not anything that I can say. So I'm praying this morning that Your Word has been proclaimed in a way that Your Holy Spirit can use it to change the lives of people in this sanctuary. God, take the time that we have right now called the invitation for anyone that finds a need to respond to this Word, that they will feel freedom to be able to respond this morning. I want to thank you for your Word, uncompromised. We give you this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing this hymn of invitation.